you can really break cancer down and most chronic diseases down into two things. One, it's either you're getting too much of what you don't need or you're not getting enough of what you do need. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from Nathan Crane. Today, we're diving into cancer, what you can do to put your body in the best shape to not get it, and if you have it, conquer it. I'm super excited for this episode, as it doesn't just apply to cancer, though. What Nathan is about to share will seriously help you prevent all chronic diseases and live a long, high-quality life. Let's get started. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guest is Nathan Crane, who is an award-winning author, inspirational speaker, plant-based athlete, event producer, and 20 times award-winning documentary filmmaker. Nathan is the founder of the Panacea Community, creator of the Global Cancer Symposium, host of the Conquering Cancer Summit, and director and producer of the documentary film Cancer, The Integrated Perspective. In 2005, at only 18 years old, Nathan began his health, healing, and spiritual journey, eventually overcoming a decade of brutal teenage addiction, house arrest, jail, and challenging times of homelessness to become an international author, filmmaker, and speaker dedicated to health, healing, and conscious awakening. Nathan has received numerous awards for his contribution to health, healing, and personal development, including the Accolade Film Competition's 2020's Outstanding Achievement Humanitarian Award and the Outstanding Community Service Award from the California Senate for Work in Education and Empowerment with Natural and Integrative Methods for Healing Cancer. With more than 15 years in the health and wellness field, Nathan has reached millions of people around the world with his inspiring messages of hope, healing, and transformation. So I am excited to talk to this guy today. His website is NathanCrane.com. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Stephanie, thank you so much for having me. Definitely a pleasure to be here. Well, I want to go back to the story, your story, a little bit of what I read in your bio. So can we go back to when you were 18 years old and not in such a good place? Can you share with us what the catalyst was that really transformed you into the man you are today? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. At 18, I was, as you just mentioned my bio a little bit, you know, in and out of jail, experiencing homelessness, uh, had gone through house arrest at 15, 16 years old, was really lost, sick, sick all the time. I mean, I was on antibiotics all the time, eating really poor food, you know, fast food, and uh, going through addiction, you know, challenging times of just addiction, cigarettes, uh, alcohol, drugs. And I got really lucky to be invited to live with one of my best friend's families, the Davis family up in Belgrade, Montana. And they were really healthy people. They meditated. They were very spiritual people. They ate very healthy, vegetarian, mostly organic, clean diet. And I got exposed to that way of living by living with them. And I got very interested in it. So I was 17, 18 years old at the time. And, and I resonated with it so deeply. I remember I'd sit and have deep, long spiritual and philosophical conversations with Dennis Davis, my, my best friend's dad at the time. He'd teach me about classical music and the difference between classical and Baroque. And he, you know, we'd talk about frequencies and energy and meditation and Buddha and Jesus. And, and then, you know, his mother was just like this, you know, living embodiment, uh, Martina Davis, like this living embodiment of Mother Teresa, just pure love and compassion and, you know, so I got to experience what that was like. It was such a contrast from what, you know, I grew up watching, you know, MTV and got really interested in, in the whole kind of glamorous lifestyle, started hanging out with, you know, gangbangers who, who came down from Washington. And that's what I thought life 
was meant to be was fast paced, lots of money, you know, women and, and guns and drugs and all that. That's like kind of how I grew up thinking like, this is the life that is the funnest life, the most fulfilling life. And you quickly learn that it's not fulfilling at all. And actually it's very, not only dangerous, but incredibly toxic and sad. And, and, you know, you're just dealing with anger and resentment and uh, deep underlying fear and all these things. And so I got this other contrast of like what it's like to live a healthy, happy, loving spiritual life. And that really woke me up. You know, I remember I was sitting there one day and had this big epiphany, this vision of myself in the future. And I was standing on a stage and on that stage, I was speaking to a large crowd of people and I was healthy. It was like a healthier future version of myself. And it was, it was literally this vision came to me. It was so clear as I was sitting on the couch in their house that day. And, and I saw myself in the future and thought, wow, well, you know, what if, what if I was doing something meaningful? I was contributing to other people's lives. I was speaking about, I didn't know what at the time it was just speaking. And, and lo and behold, at 18 years old, I, uh, my best friend and I left everything behind, drove to San Diego, California, ran out of gas. And basically, that's where I started my life over. And literally within a couple of years after that, you know, I started diving heavily into meditation, cleaning out my body, getting sober, exercising, you know, studying with all kinds of spiritual masters and teachers. It was about two or three years after that point, I was literally standing on stages, speaking all around the country and then writing books and then just really becoming so passionate about this healthy way of living. And so I know not everyone can relate to such a drastic story of, you know, drug addiction and homelessness and all these things, but but we all can relate to feeling lost in our lives, to dealing with emotions of anger or resentment or fear or guilt, to, you know, living an unhealthy life and foods that are toxic and, you know, low energy and fatigue and, you know, all these kinds of things that so many millions and millions of people are experiencing today. I was experiencing that at a young age, just at a really extreme level. Right. And so I went to the opposite extreme was like, I want to get as healthy as I can. I started cleansing and juicing and detoxing a full year of hundred percent organic raw food diet, like just diving in head first meditating. There were days where I'd seriously sit for four to six plus hours, just meditating nonstop right? And meditation really helped me so much along the way. And then, you know, throughout that journey, well, what really got me into cancer specifically and how I've, uh, how cancer has become such a passion for me and helping people with cancer is it was about seven years into kind of my own health and healing and let's say spiritual awakening journey. And then my uh, grandpa was diagnosed with cancer. And so I went to go visit him in Arizona and I saw how much suffering he was going through. And the suffering I realized wasn't from the cancer, it was from the chemotherapy and the radiation. And I was already, you know, in natural health for seven years. And I thought, God, there's got to be better ways. There's got to be better solutions, right. you know, and, and I just didn't know any at the time. I hadn't really come across cancer up until that point. And so I felt hopeless, helpless. I felt bad to see him suffering and not be able to help him. And then I realized, you know, there are so many people like him suffering unnecessarily that, wow, what if I could help them as well? And unfortunately, he passed away in 2013. And that sent me on this mission of just learning everything I possibly could about cancer, about natural solutions, holistic solutions, integrative solutions, leading edge solutions for not only what's causing cancer, why it's on this massive uptick. You know, we went from 
0.05% of cancer being diagnosed in 1905 to now almost 50%, you know, here today in most Western civilizations. And in 1950, that number was only 10%. So from 0.05 to 10% to almost 50%, there's something seriously wrong with what we're doing over the last 120 years, right? 115, 116 years. And so I want to discover what that was, learn what's causing it, and then what we can do to heal it. So I started producing summits and conferences and learning, interviewing hundreds now, hundreds of the top experts in the fields of naturopathic medicine, holistic medicine, indigenous medicine, uh, conventional medicine, integrative medicine, people who've reversed stage four cancer, right? How they did it and started noticing patterns and principles and foundations and commonalities among the things that contribute to a cancer promoting lifestyle versus those that contribute to an anti-cancer lifestyle. So now for the last eight years, I've been primarily focused on helping people all over the world learn this information that I've learned about cancer so that we don't have to be so afraid of it anymore. We can understand it at a deeper level and realize, wow, we really can take back control of our health. I get asked all the time, what's one product that I just can't live without when it comes to maintaining my own health and longevity? And my answer is something you've actually heard me mention on several episodes. It's called mitochondrial complex, and it's pretty much the Cadillac of multivitamins. And it's packed with antioxidants, including three key players acetyl-L-carnitine, alpha-lipoic acid, and N-acetylcysteine. Think of a steam engine that requires coal to be continually shoveled into the furnace to power the train forward. Acetyl-L-carnitine does that for your body by shoveling short-chain fatty acids into your cells to provide your body with energy. This is an absolutely essential task to keeping you running. However, what's a byproduct of fire? You guessed it, smoke. Unfortunately, in this analogy, smoke from fire equals free radicals. To combat those free radicals, other antioxidants are needed, and that's where alpha-lipoic acid and N-acetylcysteine come in. Together, they scavenge free radicals and help boost and recharge glutathione, the most potent antioxidant in the body. To top it off, mitochondrial complex also contains a little bit of green tea extract, broccoli seed extract with sulforaphane, and even resveratrol. Research has shown that when athletes and individuals that are under stress begin taking this product, they are less likely to get sick, as they're giving their body what it needs to conquer those stressors. Who doesn't need protection from stress and cellular damage at this time? I certainly do. I take this product every day. If you're interested in learning more about how mitochondrial complex can help support you living a longer, healthier life, check out my blog post on why antioxidants are important found at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash why dash antioxidants dash are dash important or in chapter four of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. To get 10% off our mitochondrial complex, just use code ENERGY when checking out at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now, let's get back to the show. I like what you said, and I think that's what today's episode about is not being afraid of cancer, but really learning what we can do about it. So thank you for sharing your story and what's inspired you. That Did you see the Davis family? Was that the name of the... Yeah, yeah, Dennis Davis. <laughs> sounds like he was Davis. Yeah, sounds like he was quite the mentor for you, and now you're able to mentor others. You're paying it forward. So I, I just love hearing that. So you mentioned that cancer's on the rise. So I want to talk about your thoughts on why this is, and then let's get to what we can do about it. But why do you think cancer is on the rise, despite all these progressive conventional treatments? We know why cancer's on the rise. It's actually very clear. We could go back to the industrial revolution and consider that as one of the cornerstone foundational instigators that has led us to this point of this massive uprising of of cancer diagnosis and cancer deaths. And we have to remember, though, when we talk about cancer deaths, it's not only deaths from cancer, it's deaths from conventional treatment. 
And so they don't actually put that information in the statistics publicly, but majority of people are actually dying after they start treatment. And so it's something really important to consider. And I'm not saying don't do conventional treatment. Conventional treatment is bad. There's a place for conventional treatment. We can get into that when we get into some solutions. But you know, we have to realize that it's not cancer that's actually killing most people. Most people are dying from malnutrition. They're dying from, you know, over intoxication. They're dying from other diseases that come because their immune system gets completely destroyed through the conventional treatments. And then they get some kind of infection and then they die. So it's not often the cancer, it's actually killing people. That's one thing. But we could even go back further than industrial revolution and see at what point in human history we started separating ourselves from nature. And whatever that point was, if you think it was kind of around the Roman Empire, if you want to go back to more of the Egyptian times, 5,000 years, 3,000 years, somewhere in there where we started separating ourselves from nature and thinking that we are separate from and not unified with in harmony. That is the point at which all diseases started to proliferate throughout human society. And now we've just gotten better in the last hundred years of diagnosing, right? We've gotten really good at diagnosing. And so we can we can find things a lot easier and a lot quicker now than we could a hundred years ago. But you know, even in the 1800s, they were talking about nutrition for cancer. They were talking about why cancer's on the rise. They were talking about what is this cancer? Why is it showing up? And there were already you know, conventional approaches trying to create pharmaceutical type of approach or a surgeon type of approach to cancer. And there was already from the 1800s, you know, this debate between, is it a localized disease? Is it something that once it forms, you cut it out and it's gone forever, which has become the predominant narrative today? Or is it a constitutional disease? Is it because of the environment within the cells of the body? And now we know it's a constitutional disease. The problem is majority of our conventional doctors, majority of what's taught in medical school, majority of the pharmaceutical approach still looks at it like it is a localized disease. Let's cut it out. Let's burn it. Let's radiate it. Let's get rid of it. And, and then you'll be fine, which we know is not working because cancer continues to rise, relapse, you know, cancer returning continues to rise and you can cut it out and it'll come back again and again. It's very clear if you look at the science, use a little bit of logic and reasoning that cancer is a constitutional disease, meaning that it is because of what is happening in and around your body. So, you know, Dr. Sunil Pai, who's an integrative medical doctor, he said it best when I was interviewing him years ago. And he talks about this more in depth in my documentary, but really uh, he breaks it down into six core causes of cancer. And people can write these down. We could talk about some of them. We might not have time to get into every single one. But the first one is chronic inflammation. And chronic inflammation is basically at the root of just about every major metabolic disease on the planet, including cancer. And we know, uh, and I've documented this in my upcoming book about cancer, that chronic inflammation is not just a precursor to cancer. It's not just a contributor. It is literally a direct cause of cancer. And I get into all the science of why that is and how it happens and all that. And then, so you have to look at, okay, what is it in your life that's causing inflammation? And let's look at the ways to reduce that inflammation, right? Pretty simple stuff. Chronic inflammation, number one. Number two is elevated blood glucose. So when your body is excessively inundated and exposed to excessive amounts of sugar, specifically processed sugar, 
that elevated blood glucose causes a lot of problems uh, with your insulin response, you know, potentially leading to diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes, we know, increases your risk of cancer dramatically. And we also know most cancers primary fuel source is sugar, is glucose. That's the number one fuel source that most cancer thrives on. Yes, they have other pathways that they can utilize, other fuel sources that they can utilize, but sugars are number one. So when you're eating processed foods that's full of sugar and you're drinking sodas that's full of sugar and you're eating breads that's full of sugar and you're eating processed carbohydrates, white breads, you know, white potatoes, for example, you got to watch out for white potatoes, but let's stick in process specifically. So if you're like white breads, white sugars, you know, donuts, these kinds of things that are just massive insulin spikes in your body, your blood glucose is always elevated. That also leads to inflammation. And we know inflammation leads to cancer, right? So we have to reduce the sugar in the body. It's critical. And, and not all sugar is the same healthy sugar that comes straight from fruit that's filled in berries, that's filled with phytonutrients and vitamins and minerals and anti-cancer properties and the fiber that helps your body to break down that fructose and glucose in a really balanced way. That's actually very healthy for you versus adding some cane sugar to your coffee is like adding just a, a, a massive shot of sugar straight to the bloodstream, which is not going to help you if you're trying to prevent a reverse cancer. So elevated blood glucose is number two. Number three is environmental toxins. And we know there are many toxins that we're exposed to today that are carcinogenic. So they are known carcinogens. So a, a carcinogen is uh, something that causes cancer. In your home alone, you are exposed to potentially hundreds of chemicals from your carpets to your paint on the walls, the VOCs, the off-gassing that's coming off, to your clothing, synthetic clothing, to your synthetic bedding, so your bedding that actually is made with formaldehyde, right, and uh, which we know is a known carcinogen, to endocrine disruptors that are in basically, you know, plastics, uh, the BPAs and the yeah, and the shower curtains and then the lotions and then the everything, right? So we're exposed to so many toxins. And so we have to do two things here. We have to learn where the toxins are at their highest concentration. And once we learn that, then we can take action and say, okay, let's reduce, remove, and eliminate as many of these toxins as possible. And it's actually quite easy. I teach an entire module how to do this in my Becoming Cancer-Free Masterclass. And, uh, and we go into more depth in my documentary as well. But it's just, it's all about education. When you realize this, oh, these things actually cause, I was talking to, I was consulting with somebody who has cancer yesterday, actually. And they said, you know, I eat healthy, I exercise, I, you know, I've been taking care of myself for a long time and I was just diagnosed with cancer. And I said, well, look, the problem is people think that cancer just appears out of nowhere. It's something you get, right? We say, oh, you, that person got cancer, you got cancer. And the reality is we don't get cancer, we make cancer. And there's always a reason, usually more than one reason, why we are making cancer. Dr. Thomas Lodi, who is a holistic medical doctor, who's also in my documentary, he says, look, when people come to me, they're not asking me, how do I get rid of cancer? What they're really asking me is, how do I stop making cancer, right? And when you learn how to stop making cancer, well, now you have a fighting chance of not only preventing, but reversing it right? You don't have to become a statistic or you could become one of those thousands. Yes. Thousands of people who have reversed cancer using natural holistic integrative approaches. So we learn what causes it. We learn how to stop making it. We learn how to empower our bodies to heal from it naturally, which is what we're designed to do. That's what the immune system does. And we can talk a little bit more about that and science of that in a moment, but 
environmental toxins, number three, we have to learn how to mitigate these toxins in our lives. And, and it's, it's quite simple once you, once you understand it. Number four is stress. And stress is critical. Stress is critical to a couple of main things. The first one is if you're living under a low-grade stress. And so I was talking to this person uh, yesterday and I said, you know, what's your mindset like? Are you stressed out every day? Or do you wake up and watch the news? You know, are you, are you anxious quite often? And what was really fascinating, people who think they're doing everything right, when you start digging deep, you will always find one, of, one or more of the underlying causes. And this person's responses to me about what's going on, about their life, about you know, responding to different uh, circumstances going on, you could tell was clearly stressed out all the time with this mindset of everything's against me, everything's attacking me. Oh my God, now I got to call, this was kind of the conversation. Oh, now I got to call this other number. Oh, why, why do they have to put uh, letters in the numbers? You know, like 1-800-ASK-ME-THIS. Like, oh my God, now, now I have to figure out what the, oh geez, okay, another thing, right? It's like this, always your approach in life, looking at something as if it's difficult versus like, okay, yeah, I'll figure that out. I'll do it. No problem. And when you approach life, like everything's difficult, like it's against you, it's attacking you. It's hard to do. It's challenging. That creates a low grade stress and that low grade stress, what it's really doing at a scientific at a biological level is it's downregulating your immune system. Here's an example that I give in my masterclass. So you wake up in the morning and you watch the news. And what's the news telling you? How many more people died today? How many plane wrecks there were? How many terrorist attacks there were, right? Maybe they, they show a little nice thing of a kitten being saved or a good thing that happens at the school, but then it's this politician that is corrupt and that politician is corrupt. It's all negative news designed to stimulate a sympathetic nervous response from you. So you enter into a little bit of the fight or flight or freeze, which becomes addicting because you release a little bit of you know excess cortisol and adrenaline and you know these chemicals that make you alert and attentive and, and also there's a sense of feeling good there, even though there's a negative effect of that long-term on your physiology. So the news does this. That's why they don't, you know, if you watch the news, you think the whole world's going to, you know, excuse my language. And you think everything's bad and everybody's bad. And it's, but if you really look at the world, 95 to 99% of things that are going on are good things, you know, people doing good things, people helping each other, people being honest and integrity, but you won't see that on the news. You'll see 90% of all the bad things and maybe five or 10% of good things. And they do that intentionally because they know they sell more, right? They make more money with more advertisers with more viewers. So you wake up, you watch the news, you're already in a sympathetic response. Now you've got your, you know, a little bit of your immune system has been downregulated. Your adrenal system is upregulated. And that's how you start your day. Now you go to work and you're driving to, to work or wherever you're driving, drop kids off at of school or whatever. Someone cuts you off. And you, you know, it just sets you, uh, you get triggered. You go, why the stupid idiot honk? Why would you cut me off? Boom. Another activation of sympathetic nervous system. Anger, right? Takes you out of coherence. It takes you, it reduces your heart rate variability, which reduces your body's ability to heal, which downregulates your immune system. Now you go to work and you're at a job that you hate, right? And so you're thinking about, God, I just can't wait till I get home and go watch my favorite show and kick my, you know, put on my comfortable clothes, take a bath, whatever it is. And so work, you're dealing with issues that you don't like dealing with. You're not happy being there. You're not feeling good, right? And so now you're, you're again, you're in this suppressed immune state. And then you go home, 
right? And and something happens. You you get a, a bill from the tax collector that pisses you off. You get a, whatever it is. Your neighbor, your neighbor's dog crapped on your lawn. Like anything, right? That just sets you off. And this is literally how majority of people today live in their lives. They live in this constant, chronic, low-grade, stressful state most of the time. And what that's doing is it is preventing your immune system from doing its job. Its job of identifying cancer cells and abnormal cells, right? And they send out T cells and B cells and NK killer cells and go and find cancer cells and abnormal cells even before they become cancer. They destroy them. They clean them up. They remove them through the lymphatic system and they get rid of them from your body. That's what your immune system is designed to do. You have your own cancer doctor inside your body, right? But if you're stressed out all the time and you're bombarded by toxins all the time and you're eating processed food and sugar all the time, well, guess what? Your immune system is like you're basically holding it under water in a pool, drowning it, preventing it from being able to do its job, right? So we have to learn to pull ourselves out of this low-grade, stressful experience and start looking at life as and the people I've interviewed who have reversed cancer, it's, a, it's such a mindset shift. And I say, how did you start to look at it? And they said, I started to, to ask the question of not why me, why are you doing this to me? But what is this for? How can this help me? What is this you know, disease meant to help me in my life with? How can it help me improve, become better, be healthier? What do I need to learn from it? So you look at it as a learning opportunity, as a growing opportunity, instead of, oh my God, another bad thing happened to me. Of course it happened, right? That kind of mindset is the exact mindset that keeps people from healing. And the way you get to that shift in mindset is through meditation. Meditation is absolutely key in your ability to heal. Why? One, you give your nervous system a chance to relax, to decompress, to activate the opposite of sympathetic, which is parasympathetic, going above, beyond, para, above or beyond, right? Parasympathetic, meaning your healing state. You improve your HRV, your heart rate variability. You improve your ability to sleep deeper. You uh, upregulate your immune system. Meditation, deep breathing, qigong, deep yogic, you know, relaxation techniques, any of these techniques that you can implement in your daily life, in the morning and in the evening, I say start minimum 15 minutes, but ideally you work your way up to 30 minutes plus twice a day. If you start your day in parasympathetic and you end your day in parasympathetic, meaning healing, parasympathetic, meditation, relaxation, sleep, just think all those things, healing state. You want to be in a healing state as often as you possibly can. Well, guess what? You start your day and those kinds of things, the person cutting you off, the bad time at work, the, the tax collector thing, it just doesn't affect you as much, or you start to have a different outlook on it and say, you know what? It's okay. I can handle it. You know, I can deal with this. I can do it versus, oh my God, another problem, right? It helps you to start to clarify what's really at the root cause of what's going on and then help to basically direct your thoughts in a positive direction and become what I teach people how to do is become a solution-oriented thinker right? We're so conditioned to be problem-oriented. We focus on the problem, 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 problem. The problem with that is that you're focused on the problem. And so instead of the problem, you're not finding the solution. And all you're doing is basically uh, negatively affecting your physiology. So you focus on solution. There's a problem presented. Okay. First thing, I can handle this. Cancer. I can handle this. 
I can't find the solution. There are solutions. Let me dig deeper. Let me research more. Let me learn more. Let me keep an open mind. Let me set my mind in the direction of positivity, of finding solutions. How do you find solutions? Go out and find people who have reversed it already, right? How do you become the best any kind of basketball player or golfer or any athlete, for example, go out and learn from people who are already doing it. Pretty basic stuff, right? But we've kind of lost this in our society because we don't encourage people to think for themselves, to dig deeper, to research, or to apprentice. You know, apprenticeship is like one of the foundational learning skill sets that we have lost as a society. Apprenticeship is going out in learning from a master or somebody who's already done what you're trying to do, right? That'll save you years off of your learning curve uh, and give you profound principles that you can follow. So we have to get stress under control. That's number four. Number five is an unhealthy diet. I know we were talking offline. You were uh, mentioning, you know, we may want to talk a bit about diet, but getting your diet on point is critical. Your nutritional approach to cancer is, is can be life-saving. Uh, and then number six is lifestyle behaviors. And lifestyle behaviors includes things like exercise or the opposite, sedentarism, which most people are actually sedentary today. And I can prove that, even though you don't think you are, I can prove that almost most people are sedentary today, which is leading to chronic diseases like cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's, neurodegenerative diseases, right? Smoking, we know, causes cancer. Alcohol causes cancer, right? So these kinds of lifestyle behaviors, staying indoors too often and not getting out into nature, getting fresh, clean, toxic-free air and all of the healing benefits that nature can bring you, right? So number six is lifestyle behaviors, and there's quite a few things that fall under that. So I know that was a mouthful. Let me take a break and, and open it up for you, to, to Stephanie, to ask me any questions you have. But I wanted to lay out at least to give people a blueprint to understand we know what causes cancer. And actually, these causes actually are the main contributors to just about every metabolic lifestyle-related disease. And when we get these causes under control, we do the opposite, which is focusing on the solutions, your chances of living a long, healthy, happy, fulfilling life go up exponentially. So anyway, let me hand it back to you, Stephanie, and see if you have any questions. Well, thank you. That was great. So I was about to ask you some of the what you felt some of the real and proven solutions for preventing and reversing cancer are. And you pretty much sum that up as far as talking about the causes. Maybe we'll dive a little deeper in, and I'll tell the audience here just to be um, totally straight, straightforward. I asked him before the interview, is anything off the table? And he pretty much said no. So I'm going to ask you some personal questions, <laughs> um, knowing you're okay with that. Let's go into specifically detox. So you mentioned kind of the third cause is the environmental toxin. So I want to talk more about maybe some of the household environmental toxins that you personally have kind of cleared out of the house, and then we can get into how you're advising people to detox. But with any detox program, at least what I tell my patients, first step of which is to remove yourself from the exposure. So I recently got an avocado mattress. <laughs> not the most comfortable thing in the world, but it's non-toxic. <laughs> so um, here's where some personal questions come in. So what do you, for you and your family, your children, can I ask? And I'm not loyal to any specific brands. I just, I'm just curious, personally curious. I know the audience is going to ask, well, well, you mentioned there's formaldehyde in my mattress. Well, what brand should I get, right? So can you allude to maybe which mattress you use or some other Big needle movers, big maybe surprises you found within your home that you needed to change out? Yeah, good question. So mattress uh, we use right now is uh, it's from a company called Organics. 
It's basically, it's got an organic upper layer. The whole mattress isn't organic, but the whole upper layer is organic. The next layer down is basically out of a material that they've tested in facilities that they've proven doesn't off gas. I don't remember the name of the material right now, but it, but it makes it a really comfortable mattress. You know, I've looked at the, the scientific data on it. So they've proven one, it doesn't off gas. There's no formaldehyde. And then you are sleeping on the upper layer of organic material as well. So that's the, that's a mattress we're using right now, which I really like. We started getting rid of all the chemicals in our house well over 10 years ago. And we started with things like soaps, you know, uh, shampoos, like the things that, so here's what I teach people. What you put on your body and in your body becomes your body. What you put on your body and in your body becomes your body, right? Literally, anything you're putting on your skin gets absorbed by the skin, enters into the bloodstream, and the, and the new cells that are being formed are going to basically form themselves based off whatever you're putting on your skin. And additionally, whatever you're putting in your mouth and whatever you're breathing in and drinking and eating, that's what's going to feed the new cells. Now, if these new cells being formed in your body, right, we know, we know that uh, your intestinal Cells are basically reformed every like three days, roughly, right? Two or three days, I believe. So, you know, that's that's an important regenerative thing to think about. They have to regenerate there so quickly because we're putting so much in every single day versus other organs. They, they regenerate every two months, three months, six months, right? Your skin is regenerating constantly. Basically, uh, I can't remember exactly at the moment have all the data on a different document, but every eight to 11 years, you probably know you have a whole new body, right? Every cell in your body has regenerated. So you have to ask yourself, what are those cells being fed that is regenerating them? What are they becoming through what they're being fed? All of these cells, what's happening, how they become abnormal is through DNA damage and DNA damage is through these toxins, or they're not getting enough of the nutrients that they need. Right. So Greg Braden, good friend of mine, he's also in my documentary. He says you could really break cancer down and most chronic diseases down into two things. One, it's either you're getting too much of you don't what you don't need, or you're not getting enough of what you do need. In most cases, it's actually both. You're getting too much of what you don't need and you're not getting enough of what you do need. What that means is you're not getting enough uh, nutritional adequacy. So the cells are not getting the amino acids they need. They're not getting the vitamins they need. They're not getting the minerals they need or the phytonutrients they need. And so they become weak cells. They become half-functioning cells. They have damaged or reduced mitochondria in them. They have DNA damage, which starts to break them down. And as they break down, they become chronically fermentative. And as they ferment, they become cancerous, right? And so you have to think about, well, what does the body actually need? What kind of nutrients do the cells need? to thrive, to replicate with a healthy foundation? And then what are the toxins that are causing the DNA damage to make them break down as well? So think about soaps, shampoos, lotions, you know, face creams, makeup, anything you are putting on your skin. What we've done is we've gone 100% organic with all of it. So that's number one. 100% organic is going to make sure there's no chemicals in there. So you got to get the chemicals out because a lot of those chemicals you're going to find in basically everything you put on your body has possible, probable, or known carcinogens. They get away with it, allowing to sell it because they say it's in such a minute amount, right? But they only test them individually. And they say, okay, this carcinogen or this endocrine disruptor, it's such a small amount. You put it on your body one time, a little bit here, 
you're going to be fine. It's not going to cause cancer. So they can get it approved. They get their stamp of approval and then they can sell it, right? The problem is what they don't study is how you put this on every single day over the course of a year, two years, five years, 10 years, and how that accumulates biologically in your body. And literally these chemicals get stored in just about every cell of your body. And what they also don't study is, well, what happens when you mix this chemical with this chemical, with this chemical, with this chemical, with this chemical, and then we put them all together. They don't have to study that. That's the crazy thing. Regulation, regulatory agencies don't make them study that. So we know if you've ever done any science projects, you mix a couple of chemicals together, you might get something like mustard gas and it'll kill you, right? So, but they don't have to study that when it comes to low, you know, the cosmetic industry, which is insane. It's like the, uh, Brian Vasily, he says it's like the wild west, you know, the cosmetic industry right now, because the regulations are just, they're just insane. So you have to become your own regulatory agency. And how you do that is only, so we've used a company called Dr. Bronner's forever, right? So I use Dr. Bronner's for everything, mostly use it for just soap. It's just pure organic castile with essential oils, right? There's no chemicals, no preservatives, nothing. Use it for soap, use it for shampoo, use it for cleaning dishes, use it for uh, laundry, you know, all the uh, white vinegar. Sometimes you can use vinegar to help clean your clothes ahead of time and then wash it with some brown or soap. There's some other organic laundry detergent we use from time to time and then organic hand soap. You know, if you're washing dishes every day or washing your hands every day, whatever's in that soap that's going on your hands or whatever's in that hand sanitizer, if you're over sanitizing right now, which a lot of people unfortunately are is getting absorbed through your epidermis. It's going right into your bloodstream. It's bypassing your filtration organs and it's going straight to your bloodstream. So it's even more dangerous what you're putting on your skin than what you're putting in your mouth. In your mouth, yeah. Right? Is that crazy? Yep. So, so we've removed all those chemicals, get rid of, and then cleaning chemicals too. When I clean, so I make my own spray cleaners, right? If I need to clean the floor, there's an accident from the dog or whatever. And so I just do mostly like 80%, 90% water, just filter water. And then I add just a little bit of alcohol in there, just some straight alcohol, and then some essential oils. It doesn't really matter what essential oils you use. Most of them are antibacterial. Most of them are have a great smell. Most of them have, a, they say antiviral, antibacterial, antiparasitic, anti, you know, you could put some lemon, some tea tree, lavender, these kinds of things. And you got your own, you know, healthy, non-toxic cleaners and Okay, so now you clean up most of those toxins you're exposed to every day. See, people don't realize you wash your clothes and you're using a whatever name brand detergent and it's got all kinds of chemicals in it. And then you dry it and then you put it on your body. Why do you think it smells so good? It's because it has absorbed all of that you know, material. So what happens when you sweat a little bit or, you, or your pores open a little bit because it's warm? All of those chemicals that are now absorbed into the fabric are absorbing into your skin. To you, yep. Right? They absorb into you. Remember, whatever you put on your body becomes your body. And that's true for your clothes. So, you know, these kinds of simple things you start cleaning up make a huge difference because we're exposed to them 24-7. The other thing is like, okay, so carpets. Carpets off-gas like crazy. Paint and walls off-gas like crazy. Beds off-gas like crazy. Bedding off-gas like crazy. So you get organic there. You rip out the carpets and put just a nice wood flooring. But sometimes you can't do that. You don't own your house or you don't have the money or whatever. So one thing you can do for sure is I use a Valara air purifier. And the Valara air purifiers is the best I've ever found in the market. 
And the reason I use Valara is because it is proven. It, it actually just doesn't purify the air, but it but it also releases a natural negative uh, ions, basically. Natural the negative air, ions, right? just like yeah, nature yep. does, right? Go out and eliminate and destroy the molds, the toxins, the mycotoxins, the VOCs that are off-gassing, bacteria that's in the air. So it basically it sends out these negative ions. Yes, it destroys the the actual contaminants. And then it also filters it, which is so interesting. They, they, I like it because they modeled it based on nature, right? They modeled it based on what's happening. Why do you feel so good when you're out in the forest hiking or just sitting and meditating or having a picnic? Because you've got all these negative ions, all this positive, you know, this healing energy coming from the earth, all this clean, fresh air, you're breathing it in. You're literally activating a parasympathetic response and you're bringing in these negative healing ions into the body to help you heal, right? Well, this purifier does the same thing. And then so do plants. You know, I have plants, we have plants, thanks to my wife, we have plants in every room of the house, multiple plants. There's a study done by NASA where they found if you put one plant per 100 square feet in your home, right? So let's say you have a 2000 square foot home, that's 20 plants. One plant per 100 square feet will basically take care of just about all the off-gassing and VOCs that's happening in your entire home. Wow, I didn't know that. And then they're releasing the negative ions. They're beautiful to look at. They make you happy, right? You're just like, and then taking care of them is a whole other beautiful thing of just reconnecting us to our nature. I said, you know, I really believe what has caused this massive proliferation of diseases, we've gotten disconnected from nature. The more we chemicalize things and manufacture things and try to make things more efficient and try to make things more comfortable for us, we also are making things more destructive for us because we are disconnecting ourselves from nature, right? So it brings you a little bit closer to nature, growing a little window garden and, to, and just growing your herbs and then, you know, making your tea with those herbs at night. Wow. Healing medicine from herbs go into your body every night and you get Again, a little bit closer to nature. Closer we get to nature, the more you are going to do to help your body heal. I was going to say, what about, we We kind of talked about air filtration, which is very important. We have one of those Valera um, units at our clinic. We have air doctors as well. We, we're really purifying the air here. We got everything on that. But I think of those toxins as invisible toxins. I also think of electromagnetic frequencies as invisible toxins. So I know that our time is getting long here. So you can answer this in short because <laughs> I want to ask you several other questions. From an EMF mitigation standpoint, what are a couple of things that you do in your home? Yeah, it is very well known, actually. There's a lot of science. Lloyd Burrell who I've interviewed for my various series over the years. Uh, we did an entire presentation on all the science. If your question is, if people tuning in is, do EMFs cause cancer? The simple answer is yes, they absolutely can cause cancer. And there's a lot of science that actually proves this. So I'll just leave it at that. And so number two, so what do I do to, to mitigate EMF exposure? I do a few things. One is I plugged in our, our router, so our wireless internet into like a surge strip. And so every night before bed, I just walk over, I hit that button and I turn off the Wi-Fi at night. Simple to do, right? You're, you're, you reduce your Wi-Fi exposure exponentially just by turning your Wi-Fi off at night. Simple. Number two, I put my phone on airplane mode every night. People are like, well, what if someone's going to call me? How many people call you at 2 a.m.? And, and how often do they call you? And do you want them calling you at 2 a.m.? Right? I don't. And, and I'd rather uh, either put your phone in a completely different room if you need it on. I still use mine as my alarm, so I keep it near my bed, but I put it in airplane mode. So you turn off the Wi-Fi, you turn off the Bluetooth, and you turn off the cell signal. Super easy, super simple. You can go to the next level, and you can actually turn off the breaker to your room. Uh, a lot of people will do especially if they're really EMF sensitive. 
And you can just turn off that break your room, right? Go to your breaker box, figure out which one's for your room and just turn it off at night. No big deal. But what you're doing- That's what we have at our house. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and what you're doing is you're reducing the dirty electricity that's coming through your outlets that are in that room. They're in your walls. Yeah, exactly, yep. Exactly. And, And a lot of times you'll look under your bed on the wall and you have an outlet right there, right by your head where you sleep. So if you're having problems sleeping or you are sensitive to EMFs or you really want to reduce EMF exposure, just turn off the breaker to the room where you sleep. No big deal, right? Let's see. And then there's other little devices you can get. You can get kind of like, there's the Harmony pendant you can wear, which is shown to really help. There's kind of devices you can get to put like on your phone that that kind of help to reduce when you're using your phone, right? To help reduce the EMF exposure. Yep. But even more than that, one thing I did is I stopped carrying my phone on me. I always keep it, you know, at arm's length or further away from me. When I have to go out and I have to have my phone, I will have it in my pocket. But every chance I get when I'm in the car, it's out of my pocket. It's on the dash. When I'm sitting anywhere, it's out of my pocket. It's on a bench next to me. It's always I keep it. It's just a habit. I keep it off my body 90, 95 percent of the day. You know, they've seen I remember this seeing this uh, case report that was like well over 10 years ago where this woman had her cell phone in her bra and she carried it there every day. And uh, after a few years of that, she had a tumor show up on her breast that was the exact same size and formation of the phone that she had there, right? So it's like, keep the phone off of you as often as possible. And I don't, it's, I don't live in fear about it. I'm not like, oh my God, I have to turn off my Wi-Fi or I'm going to die. I forget sometimes. It's just, you, you look at these things of like, okay, how do I mitigate my exposure to these toxins as often as possible, but do it in a way that's not going to stress me out. You know, do it in a way that's just like, okay, doing everything I can, I can keep improving, I can keep learning, I can keep doing more and better. But if I forget sometimes, like, I forget, I'll be fine, you know, but if you're adding all these things up, getting rid of the toxins from your your lotions, your soaps, your shampoos, your your uh, washer and dryer, your what do you call it? Thing we don't use it anymore, but the dryer sheets the, to wash the dishes, oh, dishwasher. <laughs> we wash it by hand. Get rid of the dishwasher detergent and do it with clean, right? And you start doing and clean up your diet and clean. Then your body is like going to be so enhanced and so optimized to heal itself that you won't have anything to worry about, right? But it's doing these things one at a time, picking the biggest things in your life that will make the biggest impact now, making that change, and then go on to the next one. And then go on the next one, go on the next one. You can't do it all at once overnight. I certainly didn't, right? Uh, but you can pick some big things and, and make the change right away. You probably know vitamin D based on its relationship to seasonal affective disorder or SAD in the winter. And it's true. People experiencing SAD generally have low levels of the vitamin, but vitamin D isn't just beneficial during the cold, dark winter months. I've tested thousands of my patients' vitamin D levels over the years, and rarely do I find the patient doesn't need to supplement regardless of the time of year. Vitamin D is a steroid vitamin, a group of fat-soluble pro-hormones that are best known for the role they play in supporting bone health and aiding in the absorption of calcium and phosphate from the gastrointestinal tract. However, a growing body of research highlights its important role in supporting other body systems as well, including cardiovascular and blood sugar balance, as well as increasing musculoskeletal strength, neurologic and immune function, enabled by its ability to target over 200 different genes throughout the body. At the same time, deficiency and insufficiency of this important nutrient has reached epidemic proportions around the world, making the achievement of optimal levels extremely important to overall health. Known as the sunshine vitamin, yes, you can get some from the sun, but 
Fish and milk are also decent sources as well, but if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm not one to recommend dairy. So it's best to supplement and it's best to have your levels tested to see how low you are and how high of a dose you need to take. We carry 1,000 and 5,000 international units of vitamin D3 with and without K2, as well as a 50,000 IU dose pack. Usually patients take that high dose pack short term. Use code vitamin D for 10% off these products at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now let's get back to the show. What about you mentioned you have a dog? I read a lot about mycotoxins in dog food, mold toxins. I was a little paranoid about those for a while. I feel like I, I even emailed the manufacturer of my dog's current dog food, and they showed me a certificate that the, his, her food had been tested for mycotoxins. It was free of those. I'm just curious with your dog, how do you feed him? Because obviously animals are very prone to cancer, and I, I think for all the same reasons. But what, what kind of dog food do you feed your dog, or are there any unique, um, interesting... I don't know, changes you've made with having pets, knowing what you know now? It's a good question. So 30 years ago, dogs didn't have cancer. And now they're, they have more cancer than humans. Hmm. This is crazy, right? And so if you look at the advent of the kibble, if you look at the advent of the dry dog food, what is it? People don't realize this, but I, I learned so much about this through spending time with who's become a good friend now, Dr. Marlene Siegel, who is who I consider to be the number one holistic vet in the world. Hmm. Right. She's worked with thousands of dogs and cats and horses. And, you know, I've interviewed her for my Conquering Cancer Summit. And, you know, this is a whole deep topic. But to break it down to a few key pieces, one, we have to understand dogs and cats are carnivores. They are not omnivores and they are not herbivores. You know, I, I know the human body can adapt to being an omnivore. We definitely are not meant to be carnivores. I do not believe that at all. We can adapt to be om omnivores, but our bodies are actually way more designed like an herbivore. Everything from the teeth to the guts to the intestines to, you know, everything. Our, our, we produce enzymes in the mouth to help digest plant food. So much of what our bodies are designed to, if we look at the biological design, we are very much like every other herbivore out there from elephants to horses to deer, right? We're much more like an herbivore, but we can be okay on an omnivore diet for some time. A lot of people on an omnivore diet will actually lead to cancer. A different conversation, but dogs and cats are carnivores. So when you so they need meat to survive and they need raw meat. When they are out in the wild, they hunt, they kill their prey, and they eat all of it. They eat the fur, they eat the bones, they eat the feet, they eat the intestines, they eat the brain, the skull. So my dogs, I never stopped them from hunting. Uh, I never taught them to hunt and I never stopped them from hunting. So when we go out running, they will catch a rabbit and they will eat the whole thing. They will kill it and eat the entire thing. I know that's, you know, some people are like, oh my God. No, no. Right in front of your eyes. <laughs> but that's what they're designed to do, right? They're a carnivore. And if you watch them, you will awaken your mind so drastically to what the human body is meant to eat, right? When they see a rabbit, they go, oh my God, food. They salivate, they get so excited. They go chase. I mean, they will run themselves to death trying to catch that thing and kill it. And then when they kill it, what they do is, it's kind of gross, but my dogs will fight over it and they end up ripping it in half. And I know it's a little, a little vivid there for, for your listeners. I'm sorry about it, but it's the truth. And we need to accept the truth of our reality. They'll rip it in half and they'll eat all of it. They'll eat the intestines. They'll eat, they love the blood. They love the bone. Their bodies are designed to eat the entire bone and dissolve it and melt it and get rid of it right away because their intestinal tract is so small compared to ours. 
right? We have this really long intestinal tract that has a lot of little curves in it, and our acid levels are much lower than theirs. So they can, you know, if you went out and caught a rabbit and ate the whole thing whole, the fur, the bones at one, you'd be really disgusted by that. There's nothing about that that's exciting, that's salivating, that would taste good. You know, thinking about eating the stomach and all the fermented, you know, crap that's in there. Dogs love that. Cats love that. That's what they want. That's what they need. We are not designed that way. That would just be so disgusting for us. But we see an apple on a tree, the color, the bright red, the sweetness, the the crunch. And we're like, oh, you know, we're in heaven, right? You get a banana or an apple or pick your favorite fruit. There's a big difference there. So dogs are carnivores. They can have a little bit of an omnivore diet, but they need an 80 to 90% fat and uh, animal diet. They can do some things like, you know, some berries and some flax and some, they shouldn't do any grains. Dogs would never eat grains in the wild, right? So you should get grains completely out of their diet. And and the problem with kibble is that it's mostly sugar. It's mostly carbohydrate. So they're getting a 40 to 60% carbohydrate diet when you're feeding them a dry dog food. Why is that? Because that food is actually primarily things like the grains and all the other plant material that's in there when really it should be 80 to 90% meat, raw meat, bone, intestines, tripe, you know, all these kinds of things. So I've actually changed. So my dogs ended up with, I was even buying organic dry food before I knew this. And so I thought I was feeding them healthy. Oh, it's organic, but it's still dry food. And they ended up with an autoimmune disease, a kind of lupus for dogs. And so I started researching more, researching more. And then I found Dr. Marlene Siegel and she helped me realize Wow. Okay. So uh, they need raw food. They need raw meat as often as possible. They need more nutrients. So I give them amino acids as uh, some herbal kind of liquid that she sells as well so that they're getting enough nutrients because they won't get enough nutrients if you just give them raw meat every day, because normally they would get all their nutrients from eating the rest of the animal as well, from the brain to the, the fermented plant food that's in the stomach of the animal that they ate, that's where they get the grasses and things like that that they need, but it's fermented. It's already broken down through the enzymes of that animal because they don't have the enzymes to break it down, right? So as raw meat as possible, make sure they get enough nutrient adequacy, get rid of the dry kibble and recognize that they are primarily carnivorous, slightly omnivore, but primarily carnivorous. And that alone can help reduce any cancer or any diseases that they get but then also extend their lifespan exponentially. Thank you. Yeah, interesting twist on a cancer interview. <laughs> Talk about <Right>. dog food, <laughs> but it applies because dogs dogs get cancer. <laughs> I wanted to go back to detox, but I know from a time standpoint here, I'd actually rather quickly just ask you top go-tos. So which supplements really help support the immune system? If you had to pick just a few, what are just non-negotiable? What do we need? Mushrooms are key. Doesn't matter what kind of mushrooms. There's a massive meta-analysis that came out from 1960 until 2020 with tens of thousands of people that if you eat just two mushrooms, about 18 grams of mushrooms per day, you will reduce your cancer risk by 45%. Just two little mushrooms per day. Doesn't really matter what kind of mushrooms. You can get it in powders. You can get it in tinctures. Organic. (laughs) Organic, of course. Cook with them ideally. You know, supplements are are meant for that. They're meant to supplement your already amazing diet. They're not meant to replace your poor diet. So that's the key here. Like supplements won't move the needle for you if you're on a really bad diet. So like change your diet first, right? No, that's the biggest thing we should do. 
but mushrooms, you can add to your diet and you can supplement with them. Number two, you know, so many people are vitamin D deficient because they're just not spending enough time outside in the sun. They're afraid of the sun. They think the, the sun causes cancer, which is actually uh, not totally true. I do an entire hour long presentation on that. But actually, most diseases are associated with lack of sun exposure than vice versa. So you need more sun exposure. Just don't burn yourself. Um, but you can take up to 10,000 units of up to 10,000 international units of vitamin D per day. Make sure it's a plant based vitamin D. It's not synthetic. Right. People get these synthetic vitamins that are not actually made from plants. They're made from oil byproducts. They don't realize that actually over 40% of our population, the vitamins you buy in your grocery store today are made from synthetic materials, which comes from oil. It's crazy how this stuff even is, gets passed into our, <laughs> into our society, but we got to educate ourselves. So uh, vitamin D 10,000 units per day, make sure it's a, a natural source, not a byproduct. Vitamin C, there's so many studies on vitamin C and helping to reduce and eliminate cancer from the body intravenous vitamin C through an integrative therapy, you can do up to 20 grams per day, which is a lot, right? But it's through an IV and you want to do that, you know, consult with your integrative doctor for that. But for a maintenance dose, you can take up to 500 milligrams per day, which is actually more than double of what the, the standard dosage amount is. And 500 milligrams has been proven to be completely safe. You want to get it from an organic plant-based, usually a powder, just put it in water and drink it. You can take capsules, but powders tend to be better. They don't clog up your system as much, and you're activating the enzymes in your mouth whenever you put something through your mouth versus a capsule bypasses that enzymatic process, right? And it goes straight to the stomach. So you actually often as possible do powders versus capsules or tinctures. But maintenance, you can do 500 milligrams for therapeutic dose. You know, you can go up to a gram or two grams or three grams per day, but you'll get to a point, you know, between one and five grams where it may start causing some stomach irritation because just a lot of absorption. Diarrhea. Yeah, you can get diarrhea, <laughs> stuff like that. So if you start getting uh, high, yeah. you know, then you can go to liposomal. You can take up to like five grams of liposomal vitamin C per day as therapeutic dose to help your immune system. And, uh, and usually you won't get any issues there with liposomal. And then same thing, super high dose, you know, you want to go see an integrative doctor to do intravenously. So those are some really key ones, really powerful foods you can add in that will really help your body to heal itself is things like flax seeds, chia seeds, hemp seeds, things that not are only healthy omegas that are really important for your brain and other biological functions, but they are also cancer fighting. They have uh, phytate in them, which is a cancer fighting compound, right? And so there's a lot of studies on this to adding seeds and nuts and seeds to your diet to help with cancer, but things like chia and flax and hemp also have higher amounts of amino acids, essential amino acids. So essential amino acids are the building blocks of thousands of different kinds of proteins that your body makes, right? So you need these essential amino acids from your food to help rebuild the cells so that you have healthy cells that we spoke about. And you get full essential amino acids from your food. Here's an example. If you mix brown rice and any kind of bean, so black beans and brown rice, for example, will give you all of your essential amino acids. That's why many of the blue zones uh, around the world where people live to 80, 90, 100, one of their staples, and they live to 80, 90, 100 without diseases, by the way, one of their staple foods is rice and beans, right? And that's a very common thing around the world or some form of that, a grain and a legume, when you mix them together, it's a complete amino acid profile. Tofu also has, uh, which is soy. Soy is very healthy for cancer. 
incredibly healthy. It is uh, also incredibly healthy for, it is a phytoestrogen, phytoestrogen. People go, oh my God, soy is bad. It's estrogen. No, it's not estrogen. It's phytoestrogen. And what it's been proven to do through many studies is it'll go into your estrogen receptors and it'll fill your estrogen receptors before the xenoestrogens come in and take over. And the xenoestrogens are the things from the plastics and the VOCs and stuff like that that you're exposed to that will cause endocrine disruption and chronic inflammation and lead to cancer. So you actually want the soy in your body in a healthy way to fill in those estrogen receptors so that the xenoestrogen doesn't come in and take over. There's so many studies proving that soy, organic soy, everything I'm talking about should always be organic. Non-GMO. Non-GMO. <laughs> but for cancer, there's a product called Halen, H-E-L-A-N. And they have seen on, and it's a very, very uh, concentrated soy product. And they have seen unbelievable results with just this product alone for people uh, who have cancer. So, uh, you know, do not be afraid of soy. Actually, soy for most people is incredibly healthy, especially for cancer. But again, organic, non-GMO, and then, and then fermented types like tempeh is even better or miso is even better than just tofu. And if we give one more... I could give a hundred, but let's give one more turmeric because there's so many studies on turmeric on curcumin. Curcumin is a compound that comes from turmeric and it's, it's anti-inflammatory. It's anti-cancer. It's something that you can get capsules. You can get tinctures. You can cook with it. Ideally you just get powders of it, or we buy the actual herb itself and we'll cook with that and add it to juices and things like that. But you can add lots and lots of turmeric. It's really anti-inflammatory. And there are a ton of studies on, on curcumin itself, that compound from turmeric, being incredibly helpful if you have cancer or any chronic inflammatory disease, autoimmune disease, you name it, right? Turmeric, let's break it down. Turmeric, mushrooms, different types of seeds, soy products, vitamin D, and vitamin D. I'd say those are my top seven that I encourage everybody to do, whether you're trying to prevent or help your body heal from cancer. Love it. We, and we offer IV vitamin C at our clinic for anyone who is listening and is local who can actually nice. drive there here <laughs> to receive those services. So you are such a wealth of information. Thank you for letting me ask you countless questions here. To wrap up the show, I know we need to talk about some upcoming events you have. So firstly, um, I was honored to be an upcoming or a guest on your upcoming summit. So tell the listeners about what that is and when it's launching and, and then talk about your documentary as well. Yeah, thank you for being an expert on our summit. It's actually called the Wisdom of the Body Masterclass. And it's a collaboration where I've collaborated with a, a master Qigong teacher, Master Ming Tang Gu, who is uh, teaching various modules on this ancient Eastern healing technique that is has tons of scientific research behind it that shows how to activate your parasympathetic nervous system and you know how to use energy for healing. And it's it's a he teaches these incredible modules that you can practice at home. And then we dive in deeper into various topics like with yourself on different aspects of health and healing. And so it's a great masterclass slash summit hybrid that's going to be free. I encourage everybody to attend. You're going to learn a lot about the wisdom of your own body, how to activate that deeper wisdom in your own body to accelerate your own healing and health and awakening and happiness and fulfillment in your life. And I think you have, you'll probably have a link below this video for, so people can attend that for free. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We'll post a link for those listening to register in the show notes. And then if you're a current patient, if you're on our email list, watch for emails because we will be sending those out soon. Yep. Uh, so Wisdom of the Body is one of the best events, I think, of this year that people should attend. And then I have a free gift, I think uh, would be great for everyone who wants to dive deeper into this conversation around preventing and reversing cancer. 
Uh, there's a free ebook at my website called, which is just nathancrane.com. And the ebook's called Five Natural Pillars for Helping You Prevent and Reverse Cancer. And it go and it helps to break down uh, you know, a lot of what we talked about and even deeper into pillars, five pillars to think about, these kind of foundational elements, right? So that you can you can start to understand and grasp some of this easier, more simply, and look at okay, what pillar in your life are you kind of lacking in? And where do you need improvement? So it's a free ebook, Five Natural Pillars. It's at nathancrane.com. That's my gifts for everybody uh, for tuning in here. Thank you so much. Well, tell us where else listeners can find you. Are you on social media or basically nathancrane.com? I'm on social media as long as they allow me to be, you know, with all the censoring that's going on. And I mean, a number of my colleagues' accounts have been deleted. I've gotten threats to, to be deleted and I'm sharing evidence-based scientifically researched information about health and healing. Apparently these social media outlets don't want that. So if you can find me on social media when you're watching this, then it means I'm still there. Just search for Nathan Crane. I'd love to connect with you there. My website, nathancrane.com is probably the best place as well to get on my newsletter because there, you know, this information won't be censored. And then if you want to uh, rent a film or buy the film, Cancer, the Integrative Perspective, which has won 20 awards now, it's been a number one Amazon bestseller. And I highly encourage everybody to watch it. It'll really inspire you about cancer. And you'll hear from dozens of the world-leading experts and cancer conquerors in the documentary. It's called Cancer, the Integrative Perspective. And you can just go to theintegrativeperspective.com. Awesome. 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 Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. <laughs> My last question for you, as with all guests, is what is your top longevity tip? Oh, I love it. There's so many. I think one that, that we don't talk enough about is meditation. There is so much evidence, so much research, and thousands of years of wisdom behind this that a daily meditation practice will not only expand your lifespans, we're talking about longevity, but help you improve your quality of life. Like who cares if you add five years to your life, but those five years, they're horrible. You're sick. You don't feel good, right? Like nobody wants that. Like when I ask people, I say, wouldn't it be amazing if you could live to a hundred? Most people say, hell no, I don't want to live to a hundred. I'm serious. <laughs> and I've asked this question to so many people and, and I started realizing why. And I said, because yeah, I would ask them why. And then I realized, well, their lives really aren't that great. And so they imagine at 100 years old, it's going to be so much worse, which is true for most people today. So I started reframing the question. I said, wouldn't it be amazing if you could live to 100, if you were healthy, if you were vital, if you could do fun things with your grandkids, your great grandkids, you could still hike and move and be mobile. If you had energy and you felt good and you still had meaning in your life, they say, oh, hell yeah, I'd love to be 100, right? So it's a different mindset. And if you shift that mindset to think, okay, it's not only about living longer, but the quality of life is just as important, even more important than the length of my life, then the whole picture starts to come together. And so, you know, these things are about quality of life that we're talking about. And as a side effect, as a, as a consequence, as a benefit, these things like a daily meditation practice will not only improve quality of life, but can absolutely contribute to extending your life. And we talked a lot about the science of how meditation works, but, you know, at least 30 minutes a day practice minimum to start. That is my top tip for quality of life and longevity of life. And I bet there's more on meditation coming on your, your summit, huh? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Lots, lots more. <laughs> lots of meditation and Qigong and, and yoga and deep breathing practices. And uh, we go into a lot of depth on that because it's so important. 
Awesome, awesome. So listeners, you'll have to tune in for that. Well, thank you so much today for coming on the show and sharing with my audience, but also just a sincere thank you for making it your mission to educate others that they can conquer cancer, that there are solutions. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. In chapter eight of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, I compare the protective roof of the home to the protective immune system in the body. And although I share how to support the immune system, I didn't dive much into cancer in my book, which is why I'm feeling so thankful Nathan was able to come on the show and talk about this topic today. Remember those six causes of cancers, areas of which you can take action in, which were inflammation, glucose, environmental toxins, stress diet, and lifestyle behaviors, and work to reduce these for an anti-cancer lifestyle. Like Nathan said, it's always great to connect and learn from someone who has conquered cancer. And to remind you, I interviewed my good friend, Kyleen Terhune, early on on episode five from Hodgkin's to Healthmaker Who Conquered Lymphoma. I'd encourage you to also check out that episode and connect with her. And if you're looking for strategies to help you reduce EMFs in your house, check out emf-pollution-solutions.com, link of which I'll post in the show notes. There you'll find EMF blocking paint, power perfect boxes, and the kill switch I've mentioned in other episodes that can cut the power to whatever bedrooms you want at night. If you're local, you can even have Rick come out and do an assessment of your home and see how bad the EMFs and dirty electricity are in your home and help you create a sleep sanctuary. Additionally, please check out the free upcoming Wisdom of the Body Masterclass, link of which I will post in the show notes. And as always, share this episode with those in need. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you learn on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thank you so much for listening and remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.